Here we go. You are listening to Open Mic Friday, Law and Gospel, on this October the 23rd in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're not yet in the studio, so we're still replying to letters, uh, emails, phone calls, etc. Well, what we're going to be talking about today and using the whole time is something that has occurred this week on the part of Francis. He has been the first pope to voice support for same-sex civil unions between homosexuals. This has really caused a furor. And we want to explain a little bit about where we in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, may disagree with the Pope, or we may agree with the Pope. Agree with the Pope? Well, it all depends what you mean by that. Uh, For example, in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we welcome homosexuals to attend our worship services. We also welcome murderers and pedophiles, those who have done an abortion. What what are you talking about? You welcome them to become members of the church? No, I didn't say that. I said we welcome them to worship services because how are they going to hear the law of God against homosexual behavior unless it's clearly taught in a worship service. And why is it clearly taught in a worship service? Well, first of all, the Bible clearly states that homosexual behavior is an abomination before Almighty God. There are a whole number of Old Testament passages, but a lot of people say, well, Jesus never spoke against that. (laughs) What a misunderstanding of the Bible. Because as Jesus said to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, the entire Bible is not only about him, but from him. And so I want to read how Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, inspired the Apostle Paul I'm just going to use one passage from Romans. He's talking about how people are really sinful. Romans 1, verse 22 and following. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women 
exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And that's just one passage. Corinthians talks against homosexual behavior, and it's very clear that this is a sin that is an abomination before Almighty God. Now, Paul even mentions that some of the Christians were like that, but when they came to faith in Jesus Christ, they repented of their sins. What is the Pope doing here? He's again underscoring the fact that as the Lutheran confessions teach, this is the office of the Antichrist. Boy, a lot of people have trouble with that because the Pope seems to be so nice toward poor people and other issues that he thinks are important. How can you call him the Antichrist? The Bible makes very clear that the Antichrist is one who appears to speak in the place of God and therefore says things that are not in the Bible and lead people away from the truth. Now, I, I want to make a point here that I myself had not yet really recognized until I was doing the study on C.F.W. Walther on the distinctions between law and gospel. And he's got 25 of them. Uh, number five thesis is one where he talks about the importance of confusing the distinction between law and gospel by turning Christ into a kind of new Moses or lawgiver. But in that thesis, he says this. Let me make it clear that I am not speaking of the Roman Catholic, but of the Papist Church, the church that submits to the Pope, accepts his decrees, and repeats his anathemas. This church is the one that history knows as the malignant church, the synagogue of Satan. Now, what's he talking about? Where has the papist church done anathemas? Well, simply take a look at the Council of Trent. In the Council of Trent, the so-called leaders of the Roman Catholic Church decided that anybody who believes that you're saved by grace, through faith, and not on account of works, let him be anathema. In other words, let him go to hell. That's the teaching of the papal Roman Catholic Church. But it certainly is not the teaching of many of the Roman Catholics. My grandmother was a strong Roman Catholic, 
In fact, a number of times when we as grandchildren were staying with her, she would go to church and I would sit in the church. And at that time, much of it was still in Latin. But be that as it may, she believed what the Roman Catholic Church taught, except her daughter, which was my mother, she did not believe was going to hell, even though my mother taught strongly as a Lutheran that she was saved by God's grace through faith, not on account of works. In fact, I often like doing this when I'm in Uber and the person who I'm driving around says that they're Roman Catholic. And I say, well, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and I am forgiven by believing his promises. Do you think I'm going to hell? And I've never had any Roman Catholic say yes, because deep down, even Roman Catholics believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and they have been forgiven. And they don't say, well, that's because of my many good works. That's because of the death of Christ on the cross. And so when we talk about the Roman church being the antichrist, we're not referring to normal Roman Catholics. We're talking about the papal church. And the Pope has stated certain things that now are equal to the Bible, even though they're never found in the Bible. That's because he talks, and this is a Latin phrase, ex cathedra. Now, that's Latin for from the church. It sounds like it's Latin for, I'm sorry, it's Latin for from the chair. I said it's from the church because it sounds like cathedra means cathedral. But no, this is when the Pope speaks as a universal shepherd of the church. And when he speaks this way, ex cathedra, it is equal to anything said in the Bible. Now, it appears historically that the Pope has spoken ex cathedra only twice. The one was in 1854, where he declared the immaculate conception of the Virgin Mary. A lot of times when people hear the term immaculate conception, they're assuming that that's talking about Jesus, but it's not in the Roman Catholic Church. It's talking about the conception of Mary, that she was conceived sinless. Now, I, I think I was 12 years old when I wrote a paper against that, and I made a very simple point. They say that she was conceived sinless so that Jesus would have a sinless mother. But stop and think about that. How could Mary be conceived sinless if her parents were sinners? Now, there, there actually were some Roman Catholics who taught that there was a sinless woman all the way up to the time of Mary, including her own mother. But of course, 
that's not an official teaching of the church. But the point I was making is that if Jesus, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a sinless Virgin Mary, was therefore sinless, actually the conception of Mary would be a bigger miracle than that of Jesus because she was born of sinful parents. That occurred in 1854. Then in 1950, that's right, just not that long ago, and I recall that, even though I was very young, the Pope spoke again, ex cathedra, talking about the assumption of the Virgin Mary, that she had assumed into heaven bodily, and that's why people can pray to her, because she's in heaven at the right hand of God. And I, I, I remember the example they were talking about. Well, let's say I want to talk to the President of the United States. Well, I'm not just going to be able to go up to the White House, knock on the door and say, I'd like to talk to the President. <laughs> They're not going to let me in. However, let's say I know his daughter. Maybe we go to school together. So I talk to her about wanting to talk to her father. And she talks to her father, who then gives me permission to come and talk with him. That's how they understand praying to Mary, that she is very close to Jesus, and therefore when you pray to Mary, she is the one who addresses Jesus. Well, that is absolutely contradicted by the Bible for two reasons. Number one, Nowhere in the Bible is that taught, the sinlessness of Mary or her assumption into heaven. Second of all, even if it were taught that way, which it isn't, if you take a look at Ephesians, we find that not only have you been risen from the dead in Christ, given new life, but you are also with Christ at the right hand of God as part of his body. He's the head, you're a part of the body. And therefore, when you pray, the only advocate you use is Jesus. Now, that ex-cathedra statements, as well as statements from the Council of Trent that sends people to hell, anathema them, particularly if they don't if they believe in salvation through faith alone that is a horrible teaching it is not the teaching and the beliefs of most roman catholics just ask them that but it is the teaching of the papacy so why did pope francis talk about support for same-sex civil unions. Here's what he says, and this came about in a feature-length documentary entitled Francesco, which premiered at the Rome Phil Festival recently. He says, homosexual people have the right to be in a family. They are children of God. Now, I, I find this error 
not only in the Antichrist, but you, you hear this in popular American Christianity, which I don't believe is Christianity, because they say, you know, Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, therefore we all are children of God. Now, in the one sense, that's correct if you're talking about creation, that no human being has existed except by the creation of God from the womb on. But if you're talking about redemption, then the only children of God are those that God has declared to be his children. Now, he has one son that is begotten. The only begotten son of God is Jesus Christ. Then how are we children of God? Through faith in Jesus, we are adopted. And so only believers are considered by God to be children of God. That doesn't mean we don't respect unbelievers in the sense that we would say to them, no, you can't come to our church because you're an unbeliever. No, church worship services, adult instruction, Bible studies, they're put in place to help not only Christians, but also unbelievers see their sin. Why, why do you think God sent John the baptizer in preparation for the coming of Jesus? He did so because John the baptizer prepared the hearts for people by showing them their sin. It's the SOS. The law shows our sin. The gospel SOS shows our Savior. And when a person comes to the point as they recognize from the law that they are poor sinful beings deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment, they are then ready to hear the gospel. So the gospel is good news to those who are frightened of God, who fear God because they could be sent to hell. Now, it's really interesting the reaction of the Pope's statements. Uh, for example, Bishop Thomas Tobin of Providence, Rhode Island says, the Pope's statement clearly contradicts what has been the longstanding teaching of the church about same-sex unions. The church cannot support the acceptance of objectively immoral relationships. Then you had Ed McMahon, director of public policy at the Archdiocese of New York. He said, the Pope had simply made a serious mistake. Now, how can these Roman Catholics be speaking about their Pope? Because Catholic teaching says that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. In fact, in 2003, a document from the Vatican's Doctrine Office stated that the church's respect for gay people 
cannot lead in any way to approval of homosexual behavior or to legal recognition of homosexual unions. Now, of course, there are others who praise the statements, talking as a major step forward in the church's support for LGBT people. Now, a couple of points I want to make. Because the Pope, in this case, is not speaking ex cathedra, because he is not speaking with the support of bishops, because this is not yet in a official document or catechism, then one cannot say that this is the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. It is the thinking of the Antichrist, who is the office of the papacy. And therefore, we need to make that distinction. But I, I want to say something else that I haven't heard yet. If the Pope's view is that homosexual people have the right to be in a family because they are children of God, why would we stop with homosexual behavior? In fact, Roman Catholic women who have abortions, are they not children of God from the Pope's point of view? Of course they are. So therefore, are we going to allow abortion? Are we going to allow pedophilia to occur if it is done by a child of God? But I believe there's another reason behind the Pope's statements. And I, I haven't seen this anywhere yet in what I've been looking for. What has been the, the greatest concern of the Pope up to this time? It has been the homosexual behavior of priests. And we are, have discovered that many homosexual priests had relationships with other priests, with many seminarians who were also male, and with young boys who were at the altar. The fact of the matter is, if the Pope is correct that they have a right to be in a family, they are children of God, then the Roman Catholic priests who have committed homosexual acts, well, they have a right to do that. If there was, for example, love between two priests, like there is in the ELCA Lutheran Church, love between two pastors who are male and they get married, they're, they're okaying that. So is the Pope saying that because they are children of God, they have the right to be in that kind of a relationship? I think that the Pope, by saying this, is trying to cover themselves that these actions by homosexual priests could be seen as loving actions because the Roman Catholic priests are children of God, 
The seminarians were children of God. Other priests were children of God. This really causes a tremendous problem. And it's kind of interesting to see any other responses that are coming, particularly from individuals who realize that homosexual activity is an abomination before Almighty God. We'll be getting some more information. We may be talking about this at the next Thursday issue. But at this point, we wanted to make some distinctions that could be helpful to you. And we also want to show respect to all sinners, even unrepentant sinners, urging them to attend church worship services and Bible studies, because that is the way that the Word of God occurs. They cannot become members of the church and take the Lord's Supper because of their unrepentant attitude. But most pastors will tell you that they have repentant homosexuals who became members and have left that particular lifestyle. We'll continue with Distinctions Between Law and Gospel on Monday's broadcast. I'm Tom Baker. God Listen bless you. Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.